Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you recognize it immediately when Ashley was reading that passage? Did you no. already know what it was? Okay. No. Because they're, I... they're not like distinctive sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that signature Chris Harrison thigh quiver. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Today, we begin this episode with a dramatic reading. If I may, if I may commence. She had been waiting so long for this moment, alone with him at last. His 48 abs pressed against her through his wool turtleneck as they twined their bodies around each other. Finally, he took her mouth in a bruising kiss that left her weak at the knees. Who knew such pleasure even existed? As she caught her breath, she caressed his broad shoulders. His thick, girthy arms engulfed her, making her feel safe and desired. She quivered in anticipation. It was finally time. She opened her mouth, her breath catching in her throat. Matt, she said, I just really have something on my heart. You know, I think now you're all ready for what this week's episode has in store for us. Like, this really sets the tone for everything this episode brings to the table. I think we can get started. And here to join us in our extended discussion of Bachelor-centric erotica is correspondent and host of the Vice News Reports podcast, Arielle Duhame-Ross. Welcome back to the pod, Arielle. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about this erotica with you guys. Uh, What an episode. So before we get into the, for lack of a better term, uh, meat of this week's episode, we wanted to start with a little call to action. Of course, yesterday was MLK Day, so it seems like a really great time to set up a recurring donation to organizations that promote racial justice and healing. And we have a handful of ideas. A lot of these places are orgs that we have previously shouted out on the pod. Yeah, uh, places like Color of Change, uh, Black Lives Matter, there's, a you know, their pack, but also local chapters you can donate to, um, Undocu Black, Black Trans Travel Fund, the Loveland Foundation. Um, it's also a great week to do some research into organizations like these and, and local organizations and mutual aid funds working on racial justice. And also, 
Happy last full day of the Trump presidency, guys. I mean, wow. What a time. What a journey. What a time to be talking about The Bachelor, really. Yeah. Truly. I can't believe, you know, by the time that you're all hearing this, Trump will be deep into a long day of taking many calls and having many meetings, but it will be his last one uh, as president. So here's to that. Happy Trump pardon blitz day. Oh God. oh, God. Yeah. Who will be I, pardoned by the time we hear this? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm trying to trying not to think about I'm really just trying to project, you know, 24, 26 hours into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thinking about noon tomorrow. And on mm-hmm. that note, let's talk about donkeys. <laughs> yeah, so this was weird. I don't know. They've been doing this cold open with a clip from later in the episode every week. But, like, this week opens in the middle of a cliffhanger, so I don't understand what they thought would be added by doing a preview clip of Matt and Serena getting interrupted by donkeys. I mean, look, out. this was no vibrator <laughs> clip. Like, they no. had been choosing no. some key clips. This was, like, a real letdown. I don't know why they're doing this. <laughs> like, I, Pre- it's not, it's not that good. Like, it's not... This is not a podcast. Like, you have a TV show. Just, like, get into it. I don't I don't know either. Like, I, I feel like they're trying to switch things up, but this this seems like a miss. To, like, you're already in a whole different setting, you know? Just give us give us the framework of a Bachelor episode. Right. We, the we one like thing that I find that reassuring way. about having it be on every episode is that it wasn't just, like them trying to center Katie in the very first episode with her vibrator, right? Like, yeah. it felt very much like, normally, so I, I forgive me for going back to the very first episode, but normally, like, The Bachelor is the star and, like, the first thing that you see, and I was really taken aback by seeing Katie first. I, I like her a lot, but, like, it, it felt really off, and knowing that this is actually something that they're trying to make happen, this cold open <laughs> format makes me feel a little bit better about the decision to show her first as opposed to Matt James in the very first episode. Right. It's a whole stylistic thing. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think they're gunning for that Emmy. I've been saying. I think they're like, look, (laughs) we have panache. We have talent. We can mix up this format. They can't beat RuPaul's Drag Race. That's not going to (laughs) happen. No, it's not going to happen. But, you know, they're trying to be more artistic. But we finally do get back into the actual cliffhanger which is that Sarah has just fainted and Matt has come to her rescue. Yeah. Um, so Matt is with uh, with Sarah outside getting some air. She's wearing his jacket. They're connecting. Um, he's obviously like, yeah, I'm happy to have more time with Sarah, which like, yes, if he didn't like Sarah, it would be like, you guys check on that <laughs> Pile of sequins over there. She good? Yeah. Okay. Like, I guess I'll continue with the rose ceremony. Um, so, meanwhile, the women are feeling some feelings about what's happening mm-hmm. with Sarah. Sarah already has a rose. Sarah had a one-on-one date this week, and now she has the audacity to have some sort of minor medical event during this rose ceremony. Um, Anna's. Like, she physically got so worked up, she couldn't handle it, which is insane. And now she's having this pure, intense moment with Matt. She's getting exactly what she wants. Ah, you, uh. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> that's my reaction to that. It it is so hard to hear them say that because, like, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys know more about this than I do, but like, they don't eat during these these rose ceremonies slash cocktail parties, right? Like, they haven't eaten for hours, and it is like early morning almost by then. They they I think they have access to snacks during the cocktail party, but yeah, during the rose ceremony, they are standing on bleachers for many hours at a time right because they need all the reaction shots they're in heels it's late into the night like it's not that surprising that once in a while someone would get lightheaded yeah and like as a person who faints regularly right like who has a fainting problem I've felt for her in that moment like I get it like that too would have totally knocked me out oh yeah like I I recently tried to remember all the times that I fainted and it was always at much less provocation than <laughs> standing until late at night on bleachers and high heels. Um, so I don't know if what we're seeing right now is the women being sort of unfair or if Sarah has already started to ruffle feathers in the house because right. we will see the situation continue to devolve from here at this point it's like some of the women like anna are really pissed they think she is being manipulative some women like kayla are like i'm not like mad at sarah for fainting but it's like kind of annoying uh because i don't right. know if i'm gonna get a rose which is fair. um yeah, yeah kayla kayla's reaction seemed like the fair one like hey i'm not really blaming sarah and i realize it's a little unfair to be annoyed at sarah but also like that was annoying right yeah and uh, finally, Sarah recovers. Matt brings her back in, back to the rose ceremony, which means we're back to, remember this, Victoria's really focused on Marilyn getting sent home. Poor Marilyn. I mean, she really, like, Queen Victoria just did a whole off with her head with yeah. Marilyn, and it worked. Uh, I felt the really, roses- really bad for Marilyn. Like I did, too. Bad. The roses go to Kayla, Mari, MJ, Anna, Kylie, and, of course, Victoria. They they were never going to get rid of Victoria this early. No. They also showed her in the previews, like, last episode, like, yes. extensively. So we knew she was sticking around. And, like, yes. they never... The first time that somebody really ruffles feathers, they never get rid of her. They always keep her around for at least another episode. So I knew she was going to hang around for longer. But, like... I was surprised that Marilyn got got cut. I was really surprised that he just, like, totally listened to Victoria. Well, the truth is he just didn't like... he. I don't think he likes either of them. So he's like, well, no right. skin off my yeah. back. You have to think that if he really liked Marilyn or saw potential in her, that he would have at least kept both of them, which we have seen in the past, that, like, it'll be like, oh, oh well, I really like you both, and, like, I need more time. And to just send Marilyn home um, just seems weird. It's like a weird decision almost um, Mm -hmm. to take because that means that now he can't really assess whether Victoria is telling the truth about her. Right. Um, He's just kind of getting that conflict off of his plate. Um, But Victoria is staying, going home along with Marilyn, Aralana, Sydney, Ileana, and Kristen. Um, And... Marilyn on the way out is like, well, she's the worst, but I do have to admit she's a good actor. <laughs> Which was Which very, is, that was very good. To, like, I was impressed <laughs> by her attitude there. 
seriously. I mean, I can't really tell if Victoria's a good actor. She's a good performer, but when she's telling Matt what's going on, I didn't find it very believable. <laughs> it was not compelling. No. But no. I think it's just because she always acts like that. Like, no matter what she's saying, it's like, drenched in this affect of like oh yeah well you know that I'm like maybe it's hard to tell when she's being genuine and when she's not yeah I'm, I'm I've written struggling. down the word caricature next to Victoria's name because it feels like a mean girl's caricature like like yes. she is Regina George but like a far worse version of Regina George. Yeah, I was it's like just, Regina George with absolutely like none of the charm or gravitas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you're watching like the the comedy sketch that's like riffing on Mean Girls, but it's like mm-hmm. instead of Regina George, it's George, it's like this girl who's like <laughs> no subtlety, <laughs> like right. um, just seems totally totally out of like over the top um for lack of for lack of a more articulate way of expressing it um so now victoria is like now sarah needs to go um sarah's worse than marilyn actually because she's interfering with everyone's relationships and her fainting spell came off really fake uh Mm. this is the thing she's always saying how everyone else comes off really fake and everything Victoria says seems so fake to me. Even when she's being like, oh, I hate you all. I don't want to spend time with you. That seems fake. And then when she's like, hey, girl, like, I got you. That seems fake also. Like, it never, like, seems like she's telling the truth, even when she probably is. There's perhaps um, some projection going on. <laughs> it's just her affect. I don't know what it is. Um, so the next morning, Chris comes in and says that he's taken the reins really of the dating situation because Matt needs to be pushed outside of his comfort zone and so Chris has curated some experiences some uncomfortable experiences for them to be comfortable in uh, including two group dates and one one on one so everyone will be getting a date this week the date card goes to Rachel, Bree, Lauren, Kit, Serena C Victoria, Kayla, Anna, Kylie and Katie Today is a surprise for everyone, except for Chris Harrison, who, again, planned this date. And so I bet he really has Matt's interests in mind. <laughs> he wants to plan a date that's that's like centered around what Matt needs and also maybe what Chris needs, like a little promo for his book that came out five years ago, <laughs> kind of slipped off. Chris has just list. been waiting for this day. He was like, it's perfect. We're trapped in one location. They're desperate for ideas. I have this <laughs> novel. Like, here we are. And we see Matt waiting for the ladies in just like a beautifully 70s outfit. I mean, the the cream turtleneck. This mm-hmm. is like a man who can rock a turtleneck. Oh, this yes. is becoming his signature look, I think. He's just wearing, he's wearing like a blue co- I think it's like a chore jacket or something. Like a, a- large collared blue jacket (laughs) short jacket over a cream turtleneck and it's just he looks like he's out of like like a vintage cosmo ad or something Mm -hmm. it's i was into it i was extremely into it i was too (laughs) i was confused i was like i'm i'm intrigued but like i don't know if it's a look that i'm like that i would want to dress you know 
Yeah, I mean that's fair. My wife said she thought it was horrible. So um. (laughs) it's like it's it's divisive. It's a divisive look. Um, So they walk inside to a dramatic reading of an erotic section of Chris Harrison's novel, The Perfect Letter, by Ashley I. Like, did we need more Ashley I? That was my first reaction. Why is she there? Why do we? uh, I'm like, she's not relevant to this story. I don't really see what she added to the date. I wonder if they wanted to do something with like the she her whole thing was being a virgin. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they wanted to do something there. But, but now she's so married. And the episode, she's married so. and like yeah. actively trying to get pregnant and talking about it. So like well, the right. jig so is it up. Would be about, it would be about the journey, you know, from being a virgin on The Bachelor to like opening up to your sexuality. All I'm saying is they could have done that. We didn't, didn't get that. Happen <laughs> it didn't episode. happen. Um, but she does, you know, give set up a nice little promo for The Perfect Letter, which I will say is a novel that um, our dear Claire has reviewed professionally. Okay, so you, you said, guys knew about this already. Oh, Claire. Yeah. Claire knows. I I and our, our old colleague Maddie did a, a joint review of it when it came out <laughs> wow. several years ago. And um, it is about a like a 28-year-old publishing executive who's very wealthy and a book editor and she grew up on a horse farm where she met the love of her life who is now in jail and is dangerous but maybe not maybe he's actually good and he's in jail for wrong reasons unclear but she is engaged to her boss who is handsome and they have good sex but it's all empty so you see it's sort of like a classic sort of sweet home alabama slash the notebook sort of situation um, with some with sex prison. scenes that you read with- them and, and all you can think is Chris Harrison wrote this sex scene. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so I, when, did you recognize it immediately when Ashley was reading that passage? Did you no. already know what it was? Okay. No. Because they're, I- they're not like distinctive sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> that signature Because I Harrison didn't know that he flipper. had written a book at all like I had no idea clearly I'm not included into like <laughs> well no that means you are you are literally the target audience for this date because you thought to yourself oh Chris Harrison wrote a novel I probably should I can only imagine that you purchased several <laughs> copies after. immediately right away I was like <laughs> directly on Amazon bookshop.org just like bye 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 um yeah. I was horrified. My mouth was just hanging open the whole time. And I just, I, I, I just, I can't even think about him writing those words. It's terrifying. I, mean, I can't imagine do it. how his son feels. His poor, his poor <laughs> teenage son just headed off oh, to boy. college. Oh boy. I'm kidding. There's nothing wrong with writing romance novels, but. No, Stacey Abrams writes Harrison's, romance novels. Chris Harrison's role Chris Harrison's persona in Bachelor Nation that that makes me not want to read sex scenes that he's written. I I just it's would about him. Not. It's one hundred percent about him. Like no shame to erotica writers. Like thank you for making our world a better place. Um, but I, I did not need Chris Harrison to be part of that group. I agree. Uh, unfortunately, we only get a little bit of Chris Harrison's erotica because the rest is going to be written by Matt and the ladies. Um, They're going to be writing their sexy love stories with Matt. 
Look, and- at first, my first reaction was like, this is horrifying. Why would they do mm-hmm. this date? Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I like found myself being kind of charmed by it. And they seemed oh, yeah. to all have a lot of fun. So I was like, okay, okay, fine. The girls seemed to bond over this date, actually. Like, the women seemed to really bond, which was nice. Yeah, it was. And it, it was about the only bonding we'll see. I just found it annoying because they bleeped out everything. Yes. So you can't really tell what they're even saying. It's like you're having a Mad Lib read to you, like a sexy Mad Lib. And they're all laughing, you know, and bonding with each other. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I know. They I really want did. all the They deprived us of um, the full range of this original erotica. And for that, I am upset. And I personally think that Chris Harrison should release the tapes. Okay? Release the tapes. Mm-hmm. Release the tapes. Mm-hmm. Specifically, um, Katie and Victoria. Like, oh, I yeah. need to yeah. hear that. Matt actually starts by reading his own story, um, which was like kind of just there's something about the way that Matt doesn't blink or close his eyes in moments when you would expect him to that turns these romantic moments into something quite unsettling. Yes. So there's a moment in his story where the woman he's writing about smells something coming from the kitchen and he stares out like unblinkingly into the crowd and says, "Mm, chocolate Chocolate cake. cake. And he licks his lips. (laughs) staring and I just felt like you know if I were in that room I would be terrified of the like very strong serial killer energy that yeah you're like contained. is Matt a serial killer or like is it sexy and it's like a confusing it's extremely confusing I didn't know whether I liked it or not I, his <laughs> cadence was sort of spoken word too which hmm. was confusing as well um I I don't I couldn't I honestly couldn't tell if I thought it was sexy or not like I was like I don't know this is making me feel weird like mm, jury is maybe still out good. I feel like it's it, it's the uncanny valley like he's in this this valley where it's either like to me <clears throat> he's really handsome or like weird looking or he's he's really <laughs> sexy or really like awkward and like you yeah. can't really tell always which way it falls on I yeah. think maybe part of it is because <clears throat> he is like new to being on TV in the setting and he's clearly quite uncomfortable with it. So I'm sure that's especially reading some self-written erotica. It's gotta yeah, be I mean, that's a big task. I think I would be very anxious if, uh, if I was given this task on, on a group date, but the women like handle the job of writing their own erotic scenes with a plum. And, yes. you know, I think we get some real, some real sta- standouts. I mean, my love for Katie just increases every scene mm-hmm. we get with her. She's like, this is my thing. I came in with a vibrator. I know how to talk about sex. Again, we don't know what she said because there was a lot of bleeping, um, which is unfortunate because like the much less funny stories were the ones that weren't bleeped. So we get like Rachel saying the word groin which like i i think i like crawled fully into my skin while she (laughs) was doing her rachel does hers and she's very nervous she's like this is out of my comfort zone and she's like her groin like my groin like tingled or something and everyone like laughs and then cut to katie giving this very calm delivery and serena p is like that was way too good that girl must read erotica 
which good for her. And also yeah. I was like, if you're using the word groin and erotica, I feel like you're not reading enough erotica. Like it's simply not. But also like word. if you're going to use that word, like own it. Like she hesitates, which is she frustrating. Like, like if you're going to use groin. like member or groin, you got to own it. You really have to. Yeah. You can't be like my groin. <laughs> I think that's a it's a word. Yeah, it it's describes like, that anatomical area. Yeah, she was like one. Rachel was like one second away from being like down there. Yes. <laughs> um, and Victoria uh, is just in utter contempt. All these girls are so vanilla. Not like her. Her story begins. The king and queen were celebrating their royal engagement. He kissed her lips and he smacked her ass hard. Least vanilla thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I mean, man, just get this girl to a kink party. And it climaxes with they came together and he screamed, yes, queen. She see, I will say Victoria seems to have some some decent stage presence. The other women were like fully laughing their asses off at whatever she was saying again most of which was bleeped out (laughs) i this was the only time that i wrote down i wrote down specifically does this make her likable question mark that and i because i found myself feeling like conflicted about it like maybe i like her oh shit what does that mean Uh, well don't worry it was very short-lived her behavior (laughs) steadily went downhill from here I mean this is this was her top moment of the series so far I think Mm -hmm. and it's a good reminder that even people who seem like cartoonishly villainous on the show have uh good sides you know and they have friends and uh are fun at parties and and that's you know humans are complex so Chris comes out and is like ladies in the back this will have been a little bit of a tease for you because you have to go home while they go to the after party. I can really, again, I can't stress this enough. I can live without Chris trying to be like naughty with the women. <laughs> it's like, mm, I, don't, I don't need you describing them as being teased. Guys, my nope. my boyfriend has really like taken a hard anti-Chris stance. <laughs> like it, he's, you know, new to watching this show semi-regularly. This is what quarantine, you know, has done. Um, and he's just like hates Chris. He's like, what is his purpose? Why is he there? He see like what is happening? Like, and I, I'm just like enjoying Adam like ratcheting up his hatred of Chris with every, every. Honestly, episode. his only purpose is to be there and say, ladies, it's the final rose tonight, which is that's it. Seems that unnecessary. You know. Yeah, they can count. I assume. <laughs> we uh, jury's out. Never assume. Um, just kidding. Uh, but Sarah, who was in the audience, uh, because they performed to an audience of all of the the women, uh, Sarah is not coping well. And I've never seen someone go to pieces quite this quickly. She had a yeah. date last week, one of the first one-on-ones. And she's saying, you know, every word they read was like a knife through her heart. To be clear, none of them were describing actual things they had yeah. done I was Matt. like, Sarah... They said the word groin. Like that's like that's a dagger. Like I- groin was a dagger through my heart. I struggled <laughs> for a with different that one. reason. <laughs> and uh yeah, she's just like, I knew there would be other women. I just didn't know it'd be this hard and like to see them mm. like talking about the, these things. It's so difficult. You know, the other women are 
sort of laughing about the date and being like, oh, it's like a good opportunity for us to think about like what we want in a relationship, you know, physically and that sort of thing. And Sarah's like, listen, guys, it was just really hard to watch that after having a one-on-one, like it, it really hurts. It's hard to see. And they're like, okay, sure. That's valid, I guess. And she's also saying like, it was like salt in wounds to see that, which like, is just not what that saying means. It's more like, you have a perfectly nice, clean, healthy piece of skin and you put some salt on it because the nothing bad happened to her previously. Right. She's like, because good things happened to me, this really hurt. I mean, I think the wound is being on the show with other women. Like, that's the wound, right? Like, that's she's like, that, that's, that's where the salt is going, which, like, <laughs> maybe you're not cut out for this. Yeah. No one did that to you except yourself. Um, and at the after party... He sits down with Rachel and they have one of those classic conversations where they're both like, wow, let's progress our relationship. Yeah, this is I feel good. I feel good Mm -hmm. where I am right now. I feel happy. This is good. And then they kiss and he does keep his eyes open for that. Um, I do want to call out Matt for making fun of himself for always keeping his eyes open while kissing on Twitter. Um, you I'm so glad that. that he he actually did that. He he pointed yeah. that out on Instagram and Twitter. Look, I will say Matt has a good sense of humor about himself. He's been sort of <laughs> roasting himself um, episode to episode, and that is a quality that I always love in a lead. Same. It is definitely <laughs> what endeared me to Sean Lowe during his season. I feel like we're getting that with Matt, which I that's great. I appreciate. Um, yeah. I also felt because like, I definitely like I noticed the open eyes and went like Ooh, it was startling. Look, it was startling. I I also think like this is where we're starting to see that Rachel might be that sort of like slow burn front runner. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's been very little there, but he's very into her. Um, yes, and you know I'm sure as as we get more from her, we'll have a chance to talk about this. But I did just want to acknowledge that there's been some like pretty um like unsettling information circulating like around reddit about just her closeness to people who have expressed um racist values and that is something to keep an eye on and definitely something that worries us given that you know matt is our first black bachelor Mm mm-hmm (sighs) <sighs> yeah, so that's that's something we're keeping an eye on. And uh, next, Matt sits down with sits down with Bree, um, and they discuss how important it is to actually stay PG and keep the intimate details about possible sexual intimacy close to the vest. And he's like, "Yeah, if you shared that, it would really take away the mystery." And I was like, "Buddy." Too bad for the women who followed the prompt. Like, that's the yeah. whole point of the date. Also, like, you do know that mods. was fictional, right? <laughs> like, no, no, no. You may only write erotica as just, like, straight documentary memoir. There is yeah. no, no creativity involved. It's just the specifics of your last sexual encounter. Minute, yeah. minute, minute. For me, this was like a people pleaser moment for for Matt, where he just like wanted to say yes, and I'm exactly the same. I feel exactly the same way to to Brie, um, and that's something that I want to keep an eye on, like moving forward, because I'm worried that he's just a like. I mean, he he talks about it, his need to excel, his need to like please other people. Like, I think that is 
maybe what was going on there because I I don't actually think he necessarily feels that way. I think it's interesting that you point that out because there were other points this episode where I sort of got the same vibe that he was like, I'm with someone that I like or people that I like and I want to say the thing that will make them happy. So when I'm with Brie, I'm going to say, I'm glad you kept that secret. When I'm with Katie, I'm going to say, I loved how vulnerable you were by being mm-hmm. really explicit and like sort of meaning both of those things because yeah. he likes them and he likes what they did. But you express it in a way where it's like, I would do the same thing. I share that value and I don't share the other value. But actually, he's just like general approval. Or with, right. when he's with Sarah, he's like, I wouldn't come sit with you if I didn't really like you. And then when he sees the other women, he's like, I would have gone and sat with whoever was having a exactly. hard time. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the date card arrives for the one-on-one date, and it's for Serena P. Let love lead the way. This is uh, when we learn that Sarah has not been sitting with the other women she didn't want to be there for the date card and they're all like always gathered in the common room like crammed in on the couches sarah's not there um she doesn't want to hear the date cards obviously she knew she wasn't gonna get the one-on-one so she could just skip it um and that's because something is on sarah's heart uh and to deal with this she has to put on some boots and a jacket just draped over her shoulders she is heading over to where the group date is taking place um, because her infidelity fears have been triggered. She knows this is going to be a roadblock. She needs to do something about it. And I, I do think we should keep an eye on this because what she's saying here is not, I think I need to leave, or at least not according to what has been presented to us. What, what she's shown saying is I need to like get an intervention from Matt on these rising feelings of insecurity and jealousy so that we can continue our relationship on a a steadier basis. Matt is on the group date talking to Katie uh, when in walks Sarah, who asked to steal him for a second. Um, And Katie's sort of like, what are you doing here? But she doesn't really have much to do because Matt clearly wants to talk to Sarah. So she she goes and sits down with the women and tells them what happened. Half the women apparently still haven't talked to Matt um, and probably won't because whenever something like this happens on a date, it's like the date basically ends and the rest is all just right. like froth and like production yeah, mess, I guess. Completely derails it. <laughs> I, I this was just this was just like a real misstep by Sarah. Um, so bad. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh, no, don't don't do it. You're everyone's going to be so mad at you. And like, how could she think? I mean, she could even and this has been done before. And I wonder if it was because production was like, you can do it now. Now's the time, because we've seen in the past if people are freaking out after the date ends. Right. They, they, get they go like at, go in over. the middle of night, basically, and go to the door, you know, of the person's room and like have a clandestine moment or a talk. Mm-hmm. I assume I felt like production probably said like, now's the time. If you need that reassurance, yeah. if you need to talk to him, you need to do it now. And it just like put her in a real shit position. Yeah. And like this, this is only possible because of this 
pandemic situation, right? Like if it was a group date, they'd be at some restaurant somewhere or some hotel somewhere. And right. like it, the proximity just enables so much more um, interaction with girls who are not on the date during these dates. And it just honestly, I don't think it 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 disadvantages everybody. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I feel like production was probably like, well, here's a huge upside. <laughs> like, right. we can amp up the drama even more by having these little extra conversations um, sort of directly in conflict with the women who are on the date. Um, that's not to, like, let Sarah off the hook here. Like, no. I think it was pretty messed up for her. And this is something that continues to show up in her how she talks about this decision throughout the episode is she's just like well I felt really bad like I felt bad why wouldn't I yeah just go talk to him about it um there continues to be like a a lack of awareness that she really should have considered the other women and the fact that she had been given more than them already there's just continues to be like a failure to compute that which does not speak super well of of her yeah um it, right this, and this doesn't make her likable which is unfortunate because i what i actually think might be going on here is that she's just like incredibly triggered yes um, yeah you know she talks later on maybe i'm jumping the gun here but she talks later on of like having old feelings pop up of jealousy um and to me that just signals like I mean I don't know right I'm I think she even said here, that but... she was triggered she I think she yeah. might have used that yeah. language yeah I think she did she's having a trauma reaction but it really does not make her likable it does not help her with the other girls and it, it is you know I feel bad for her this is I'm, I'm sure this is incredibly difficult for her but like this is clearly not a good situation for her at all right it sort of reminded me of like as a person with an anxiety disorder, I feel like before I, you know, spent years in therapy and <laughs> got a handle on it, I would act out of this like almost primal physical desire to like get my anxiety answered. And that mm-hmm. would override other judgments or even like doing the thing that would put me in the best position to get the thing I actually wanted. And it just seemed like she made this decision that was the wrong decision that didn't ultimately help her that certainly um, led to conflict with the other women and wasn't kind to the other women. And then it just like spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a good decision. And it's also clearly one that, that we all feel like sympathetic to. I think that like for a lot of people watching this um, it's not very relatable in the same way like this mm-hmm. is clearly like my weak point like that is the 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 thing that most prompts me to behave really badly is being like I feel so emotionally upset that I literally can't handle it and I just have to do what I have to do um that's you know and yeah like Emma I had to <laughs> cope with that and and learn better ways to to handle it but um it's it's hard to see how she continues to not really be able to see how it affected the other women um, or to not understand that that's equally important or even in certain ways more important um, than her feelings in that, in that moment. Um, So she sits down with Matt and basically is just like, it's been really hard. Um, And so I just had to tell you that it's been really hard. And that means that I really like you. 
And he's like, oh, I feel the same way. And then Katie comes back in. At Victoria's prompting. Of, at Victoria's prompting. Victoria's like, you should just go back in there. This is your time. <laughs> uh, Victoria acts as kind of an instigator throughout this episode. What's mm-hmm. interesting is that she's now like on the side of the other women because they have yes. a common enemy. All of a sudden and... she's in the sorority, which just is is actually deeply entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> it actually is. This is actually, I feel like she does do better in the sorority sort of (laughs) setting where she has a common cause, even though it's hard to watch what she does to the people in the other sorority, I guess. Um, Sorority of just Sarah. Um, (laughs) And so Katie's like, I want my time back. It's our group date. And Sarah's like, can I just have five minutes? And Katie's like, two minutes. And Sarah's like, five minutes. Um, And finally, Katie just waits for them in the corner. Um, and then comes and sits on the couch next to Matt when Sarah still isn't leaving. And Sarah's like, Power oh, move. Matt, can you just walk me out? Like, in this moment, I was like, Katie, what are you doing? Like, I felt like this yeah. was not a good look for Katie in front of Matt. Also, because um, Matt really likes be- Sarah more mm. than Katie. And that's, yeah. <laughs> with all of these conflicts, it's like, Matt was like, well, I want to spend time with Sarah. So I'm going to go and walk her out and make out with her and leave Katie on the couch. Um, and yeah. then Sarah kind of decides... She, she's clearly realized because of Katie's reaction that, like, this is not going to go over well at all with all of the other women. And I also think probably given that, like, Katie seems to be one of the kind of softest and most even keeled of the women, she probably realizes, like, oh, if Katie's annoyed at me, these other women are going to be real annoyed at me. And so she tries mm-hmm. to get ahead of it by going to the women and being like, just wanted you to know that I did this thing and I'm sorry. And they're like, but you did it. And you also didn't talk to us about it before you did it. So, like, this doesn't really this doesn't solve it. anything. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, well, what What did you need to say? She's like, something was just on my heart. And that's between me and, and Matt. But it was just really on my heart. And I hope you can understand understand that and see my heart and what was on it and I just needed to do that and they're like well that doesn't tell us anything like we still don't know anything and she's like okay well I just wanted you to hear it from me and they're like hear what you didn't say anything and Um, of course because she doesn't want to tell them because what's she gonna say like I'm jealous that he's dating mm -hmm. other women like it's the most conventional bachelor problem of all time yeah well what I loved was the moment where Victoria confronts Katie and then says like you you must have been having this terrible emergency like are you okay and it is again Regina George is out in like full strength Regina George there it was amazing was just like masterful in her I am feel so bad for you because it must have been really hard whatever super intense very perhaps you know, medical emergency you were having that you had to speak to Matt and like... It's also like a really weird precursor to the role that Victoria plays in tomorrow's conversation because Sarah has kind of left in tears because the women are like, it's not okay what you did. Um, And Victoria follows her out and Sarah's weeping and she's like, are you okay? I don't want you to cry or anything. And Sarah's like, yeah, we have a good relationship. And Victoria's like, yeah, girl, like, we were worried about you. We thought it must be serious. And then, of course, the next day, Victoria's like, who is she? Like, literally, I don't even know. Like, no one likes you. No one knows you. 
Um, it's it's brutal. Like this is just it is setting Sarah up for so much pain the next day. Um, it's it's very very intense. And then Katie comes out, and every time Katie like handles this conflict, I'm like very impressed by yes. how she handles herself, and also like kind of triggered by having been more of a Sarah in my past relationships and knowing that like I would never forget being in a position to be like the beneficiary of someone's like restrained sort Mm -hmm. of censuring of me in the way that Katie does it so she comes up and is like I want to hear what you have to say and Sarah's like I really had something on my heart and I had to say it I'm going through a lot. I feel awful. And I just had to address it. And Katie's like, so you're having insecurities. That's the short answer. Um, Look, you already had a whole date. I haven't even had half of a group date. You know, women need to talk to him. And Sarah's like, I I don't know if I can even do this process. And Katie's like, okay, if you want to go home tonight and talk to him about it later, that's fine. But to come take time away from other girls, that's taking away from Matt as well. You have to figure this out. You have to figure it out now because it's impacting everyone around you. And Sarah's like, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, I see. I'm sorry. And yeah. Katie's like, okay, bye. <laughs> for have me, a good this night. was the moment where Katie was redeeming herself for the way that she interrupted Sarah and Matt earlier, which I, was like a little bit weird. And like, I, it made me like her less. And in that moment, I was like, oh, right. I really like Katie. Her TikToks are amazing. She's really fun. And like this, this, I she I hope that she really good conflict time. resolution skills and it was yes. really awesome to see because like what Sarah did was kind of thoughtless and frustrating and so the women had every right who were impacted by that to register their frustrations and to express how she had impacted them negatively um but mm-hmm. you know what wasn't necessary and what we see later was like then crossing the line to being extremely cruel as a result. And I love that we saw Katie kind of model a thing where you can be like, Hey, that was really frustrating. I'm frustrated right now. I'm going to tell you why that was thoughtless. And then I'm going to like exit before this, you know, ratchets up into something that like neither of us will benefit from. And I just thought it was, it was great. Yeah, because typically what would happen in one of these conversations is that it would be back and forth forever. Right. Like, this scene would last a very, very long time, and there would be, like, women chasing each other and walking back and forth and walking away and then huddling and going, I don't know, she's so, like, why she's being so unreasonable, and then going back, and instead it was Katie saying, like, here's why I'm upset, Uh, I don't think that was okay, and then leaving. And it it was so great, it was so reasonable, uh, really, really stellar conflict resolution there. And of course, meanwhile, Matt comes back in and is like, this date is over now that I've talked to Sarah. Um, he doesn't apologize to the women even for not getting time with all of them. Like, I thought Matt, you know, look, he doesn't know the conventions of this uh, this world, but I do think he sort of like made it worse by not sort of taking the blame and saying like, hey, I like I'm really looking forward to spending more time with you. I'm sorry we didn't get that tonight. But he doesn't do that. He gives the rose to Rachel and then just like is like peace. And the other women are just left to like stew. And because they can't be mad at Matt, they're all increasingly furious at Sarah. And like, let's be fair. What Sarah did really sucked. I agree. I would be furious if I were that. Oh, I would be so mad. Like to be on a group date that's so that's 
less than 10 people, I think. Right. Yeah. I would expect to get a little one on one time. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite a few of them didn't. Uh, But this is when we start to hear them saying, you know, Sarah's burned all her bridges. Like there's no coming back, which uh, is alarming to me. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more on the girl-on-girl crime that occurred this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Emma, what's the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would it be sleep? Would it be get a delicious pastry from the bake shop around the corner? Would it be, I don't know, get some actual writing done? Yeah. Read a book. I mean, my list is extremely long these days. There are not a lot of hours to spare. And, you know, a lot of us do spend our lives wishing we had more time. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and actually make it a priority. Yeah, this is something that I am often working on with my therapist. It helps you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process, it would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. 
I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Allo Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code LTSI20. Allomoves.com code LTSI20. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into like their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible neoprene weekender bag and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should, learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks. And it's been really helpful because my French is not good. But now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) 
You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now back to the show. And so the next morning, um, they're all kind of waiting to see Sarah. And she's not there in the morning when Serena is ready for her date. And Matt comes in again in a sort of blue turtleneck and a tan chore coat. And uh, he's like, I want to say some things about last night when Sarah came. Sarah, where's Sarah? (laughs) He like just like gesture to Sarah. She's not there. Um, And so he's like, all right, I need a few minutes. So he actually doesn't want to talk to them about the night before. He literally just wants to talk to Sarah. Again, again. another terrible move by Matt. He should have just said, well, I hope Sarah's okay. I want to apologize. Whatever. Just said the thing and then left on a date with Serena. Just let it be. Leave. Let her stew upstairs if she wants to do that. Like, you are encouraging behavior that is is honestly not okay. Like, she's triggered. I get it. I think, you know, I think she should, like leave this show frankly and ultimately she does but like this is not okay yeah and this whole conflict is made worse I think because there's this constant like oh I just need five minutes I just need a couple minutes so he goes up to see Sarah obviously it's not only a few minutes really at least like 30 minutes that's what at least He finds her in bed and, like, basically, like, falls on top of her to, like, hug her. Like, there's, like, an intimacy in that moment that I found kind of surprised. Like, there's clearly already a very, like, she's my girlfriend sort of vibe to their interaction. Yes. Um, And he's not there just to see her for two minutes and be like, hope you're okay. They have a whole conversation. She tells him she's she had packed her bag and he's like, that would be a tragedy. I want you to be here. That's why I came to see you. I'll come here every day if that's what it takes and tell you how much I like you. This is like the way that you talk to a front runner, like maybe just one of his front runners that, that he's like, this is someone I expected to be here until the very end. But Um, like further episodes in, like this is really early for the, like, I'm going to reassure you every day conversation. Yes. Yeah, it's really early. And I think maybe we're seeing Matt's, like, an experience with the format again that, like, and also just, like, some people, this format is weird. Like, you're dating a ton of people and, like, you go on a really good date with someone. For most, for me, that's, like, I'm bonded to that person. Totally. Now. If you're on The Bachelor, you, you you know, you gotta keep going. To, you gotta keep going. <laughs> Um, and, and so he seems to be in that, that little first flush of intoxication with her. But I mean, I I also think that what I'm worried about is that actually he has a tendency to go towards like women that he thinks he needs to save. Mm. And that to me is like a classic bachelor mistake where these men just want to like go towards the women that the woman that seems to be having the most trouble with this, that, that is, uh, feeling so strongly they see that as a sign of love as opposed to a sign of like some deeper insecurity that will be a problem in the relationship down the line and like that's that's a classic like dude problem with specifically with the bachelor and what i'm seeing in matt right in that moment is that and that really worries me because it's like really early for this 
That's a really good point. And that's something I wanted to talk about a little bit with this conflict between Sarah and the women, too, is that, like, there is a, a sense almost that, like, the the attractiveness of a woman can lie in, like, how vulnerable and in need of protection she seems to be. Mm-hmm. And they there's almost an annoyance among them that she seems to be pulling that off better. And so then they are are turning on her with anger for her very like vulnerabilities. And it's just a a way of seeing feminine conflict play out that is really, really deeply unsettling because it starts to seem like there's like both an aspiration to seem sort of in need and weak and also uh, a disgust for it, like a contempt for it. And Mm -hmm. it just, it all just is really like toxic and gross feeling for me. And and I do think you're right that a lot of men are drawn to that and that Matt seems to to like the ways that Sarah seems to need him. Right. I, I saw that, too. But then I, it was interesting to watch Serena P's date, and that felt like a completely mm. different vibe. I, yes. Serena just, like, exuded um, a ton of confidence, and they had sort of, like, a playful banter in which... Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem to be overly in need or overly impressed. And he also responded quite That's well true. to that. Um, and so, you know, what I'm saying is Matt contains multitudes. But we <laughs> finally get to the Serena P date. They're horseback riding. They're just wandering around Nemecolon's magnificent foliage. And uh, they sit down. And Serena has to teach Matt to make a cheese and charcuterie board. He's not, he doesn't have a lot of experience. So. Shocking. You know, just very key in the early dating process. Test your partner's skills on cheese plating. Mm-hmm. I've learned that you should put dark chocolate on your cheese boards. <laughs> Which I'm not against, frankly. A unconventional choice, but now that, like, now that I think about it, I'm like kind of into it. It's one of those things that, like, if I see it in a photograph of a cheese board, I'm like, yeah, dark chocolate. But when I go out to make myself a cheese board, I'm never like, got to get those dark chocolate squares on (laughs) there. So that's how you need that's how you live like a highly Instagrammable life. You have to, Mm. like, take those little steps, those details, like the dark chocolate. um, And that's what Serena's bringing here. So then they talk about their families and and what their families thought of them coming on the show. And she's like, my dad was really unsupportive. Um, and it made me wonder if it was a bad decision, which I'm sure Matt's like, great. <laughs> Can't wait to talk to him. Right. Um, she says her dad's life was really linear. Like he went to school and then he got a job, marriage, kids. And she's like, but it doesn't have to be like that. And I'm personally a little unclear how the bachelor doesn't fit into that because That's, the bachelor like right. exists exactly. to reinforce that exactly i was the like bachelor what? is like do you want a linear life we have that for you They're like we will fast track you to that linear life over the course of you know a mere five weeks you can just like get a husband right. real quick i mean it was that i was thought that was so funny i was like first of all yeah, this show reinforces that linear life. Second of all, there's been like zero indication that Matt doesn't want a linear life. Like all of, I I don't know. I thought that was very funny. But I have to say this date, like they're so cute and likable and happy on yes. this date. And it is so refreshing. I really, I really like Serena it. P. I was into Serena P. I was into their chemistry. Um, you know, Matt talks about 
his own, you know, the own pressure, the pressures in his own life to kind of like live up to someone else's dream. And he says, you know, he was kind of quote living a great life, but it didn't feel like his. And he also wants to break the norm in some unseen way. We have not learned what norms he'll be breaking, but I'm sure he will be breaking some of them. Uh, I look forward to it. And he's like, my mom wasn't skeptical at all about this show. In fact, she was extremely excited about it and jumped at the opportunity, I can only assume, to make several cameos. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) his mom, he's like, she's, you know, she's getting older. She doesn't have a relationship. She doesn't want me to be alone like that. Um, Which, you know, I just want to, you know, it's it's never, it's never too late, Matt's mom. Um, to, to date for yourself as well. Uh, and then they kiss and some donkeys come up to interrupt them, which are so cute. I think I want a donkey now. The donkeys were real cute. Some of them were, but they were pretty small. Like, I think they could fit in my apartment. Um, oh, and yeah, they, totally. It's they... really easy upkeep, too. You should you should definitely try that. Before. Look, I think I think there's already poop all over my apartment. OK, I have a cat <laughs> yeah. with bowel problems. I have I have a baby like look, Max poop on every Max surface. could ride that donkey. It would be I just kept thinking like it would be so cute to see Lil Max riding on a little donkey. Oh, oh, Matt reveals that he had a turtle growing up. Just yes. we're. We're finally getting to know Matt on a deeper level. Probing the um, depths, really. Which is that he finds turtles comforting. Um, and Serena is like, you were a weird kid having a turtle. As a person who had a turtle as a child, but who also was admittedly a weird kid. I don't know if I if I need to feel offended about that or like proud. I thought it was sort of charming. Because I also think like it makes me like Matt better uh, if oh, yeah. he was a weird kid. So I was like, this yeah. is... This is kind of like charming banter. I also like that she wasn't being so like deferent to him. She's like, oh, yes. So you were you were a little weirdo. Yeah. And this is honestly she's doing him a favor. Like every celebrity woman knows this. Once you're hot and popular, the only way to make yourself more interesting is to say that when you were a kid before anyone knew you, you were weird. Exactly. And that makes you seem like you have a personality as well. Yeah. He is yet to say that he was an ugly duckling, and she just totally just handed him that thing. <laughs> what a and, gift. Uh, good a good gift. for her. Good for him. This is great, also great the day on which we we learn that Matt, you know, hasn't really been in a lot of serious relationships because Serena says that, you know, she's not dated a ton, but she had a very serious relationship, and that was her I believe her last relationship, she thought her ex was going to be the person she was with long term and the breakup was really difficult. And she's like, Matt, like, what about you? And he's like, well, about a year ago, I dated someone for four months and then she wanted to put a label on it and I needed to take a step back. And I was like, first of all, obviously, that is a fair thing. Second of all, yeah. I was like, wow, he really is every single man in New York City. I was oh, like, yeah. that is <laughs> he literally so, is like, like, I see it. Yes. He's literally like, I only wanted to date someone that I would marry. Um, which, I mean, in a way, I get I get this. Like, I feel weird. I would, I've, when I was dating, I felt weird dating people that I 
wouldn't see it long term with. Mm-hmm. But if you've dated them for four months and you're like having a good time, but you feel like you're not sure that you want to marry them, that's like a nice opportunity for you to develop your relationship having skills by continuing to have a relationship with them. Um, it's like, it's okay. Like you're not going to wake up married one day if you have a girlfriend for a few months. Um, so it's interesting to see how this plays out for him. Yeah. I mean, for me, the thing that's worrisome is the fact that he's never been in love. That just like really freaks me out about, about this, his, just his mere participation in the show. Honestly, what upsets me more is the way that he will say to the women, I thought at the time that I had been in love, but now I realize that I wasn't in love because that is certainly not something I would want to hear from a guy I was dating, which is no matter what I say to you now, in five years, I might not consider you important at all. Also, I was like, damn, I I feel bad for any of his like college girlfriends who he said I love you (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, but, I hate to, to I've been in that position where like first girlfriend thought I was in love, turns out I wasn't. Like I I I remember that. Yeah. But it it the fact that he may have done that more than once, like you know, it, it and and honestly the reason why I even came to that realization is because I did end up falling in love afterwards, right? So and that feeling was so much stronger. So like mm-hmm. it, it worries me that he hasn't had that other experience and like how do you know that that like it just it's complicated yeah yeah I guess it de- it depends on what what happens next but like it, there is always that fear when you're dating a beautiful man you know who has a lot of options <laughs> that he's like nothing is ever going to be good enough for me no one's ever going to be good enough to commit to and he is kind of pulling from that kind of bag of phrases right now and I hope, th- I mean, for some, it, sometimes you just don't meet someone who really makes you feel that big thing yeah. until you're a little older. And, and I respect that. So I, I hope, I hope that this is that moment for him, that it's mm-hmm. one of these 32 to 37 women on this show. <laughs> it's time. And um, uh, we continue on with the, you know, heavy presence of hot tubs on this season, which I was just like, you know, look, I love it. This is what we're getting in this in this cold weather season of The Bachelor. Um, and Serena basically is like, I was falling into like with you. I am falling in like with you, which I, I love that she said that. But I could potentially see myself falling for you, which is weird. And he says, I just can't help but smile when I'm around you. It's like a very sweet connection that we are seeing between Mm -hmm. them and I have a feeling Serena P is going to be around for a while yeah yeah like this is how it should be at the beginning like even as a really intense emotional person I feel like I didn't get really depressing on dates (laughs) until like several months into the relationship I thought you were going to be like at least until like date three (laughs) then I was a real downer (laughs) exactly um, so he gives her the rose, yada, yada, back at the house or the hotel lobby <laughs> where the women are gathered. They haven't seen Sarah all day. Um, and this has not improved the situation, but I have to say it really kind of seemed like they were all determined to never speak to her kindly again from the very beginning. So I don't know how much worse it really made things that she avoided them all day. Um, and... The date card arrives and Sarah 
is going to be on that date card so she can't avoid the situation anymore. She tries to slide onto the couch without getting anyone's attention. So I think the way she made this worse is that, like, when you have a full day to stew over how angry you are at someone, like, when they finally arrive for that inevitable conflict, I think sometimes it can get worse. And I think that is what we perhaps saw here. Yeah. Like they're already, they're, they're not just mad at what she did. They're mad that she didn't give them the satisfaction of, of purging that emotion much earlier. And they had to sit Mm -hmm. with this thwarted feeling of fury all day. Um, Yeah. It's like a bomb was building all day long and then it just like explodes in, in very intense cruelty directed towards Sarah. Yeah. And it, it was brutal. So I don't even think they managed to read the date card um, because as soon as Sarah sits down, MJ's like, oh, Sarah, what the fuck? Like, where have you been? What's going on? And what ensues is just like a complete disaster in which basically everyone who speaks that we see um, behaves in a kind of unflattering way, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, Sarah says she wants to apologize for you know, to the women who are on the group date for taking up their time, especially Katie. And secondly, she wants to apologize to everyone for not coming down earlier to clear the air. And she's like, I hope that you've gotten the chance to know me and see my heart and know that, like, that's not who I am. And Victoria's like, uh, who's she talking to? No one knows you. They're like, yeah, no one knows you. Like, we don't know. Um, (sighs) And then the women who are on the date start airing their grievances. You know, Kylie's like, some of us didn't get any chance to even speak to Matt. Um, and Sarah's like, well, I was really considering leaving and it was only for like a couple minutes and I'm having a very hard time. And I was really frustrated by that because I felt like Katie and some of the others had fairly expressed what she did. And it seems like she's still kind of incapable after a full day of sitting with it, of moving past the sense of like, I'm the victim here. Like I was suffering. My pain matters. Like I'm a a beautiful delicate woman who is crying with pain and that should supersede everyone else's needs around me and I found that really frustrating despite how much I related to it yeah I I think it's it's hard I sort of I I did recognize like certain parts of my significantly younger self in Sarah's reaction where it's like you know that you're rubbing people the wrong way. You know you've done some selfish things, but you are in an anxiety or depression spiral, which makes you more selfish, which makes you isolate. And then you come down and you're like not emotionally equipped to then take that very real feedback. And it just like, and then on top of that, you had this group of women, I think, amping each other up to greater levels of cruelty. And it was just like, this is a mess and it's so unpleasant to watch and Mm -hmm. damn like it just sucked yeah Yeah, they're saying you know you haven't had a difficult at all you've had so much time with him you know you didn't take anyone else's feelings into account you're toxic you're manipulative you're calculating i don't know how true all of those i don't know how calculating it was i don't think this was a strategic i don't decision. no i i don't think it was either um but it can still be manipulative without being calculating is this the moment this is the moment where kit basically threatens her too right 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, things things really escalate. You know, Sarah's like, well, I just want to make amends with you ladies. And Victoria's like, why do you think we want to make amends with you? Like, the consensus seems to be like, these bridges are all burned. There's no coming back. And that was just um, gross. Like, they're- Victoria's like, I wouldn't accept your apology if you said it 20 more times. Which is like, I mean, we've seen this pattern with Victoria. No, exactly. I think we agree, Ariel. Like, Victoria's whole thing is like, you, you know, wrong me in any way you are cut, you're out. I will not hear of of you apologizing, making amends. And like, look, there needs to be room for people to apologize for things. Like right. I, and I understand even they don't have to no one has to accept an apology. No. Like I fully understand if some of the women who didn't get time, especially on the date or had their date derailed, don't want to overlook this, don't want to be friends with Sarah now. Fine. Like that is totally their prerogative. But as Kit, as you said, Ariel, Kit then says, I hope that this was worth it because your living situation is going to be horrible. Like there is that's there. there's not accepting an apology. And then there's being like, we are going to set out to harm you now. And I find those to be different things like yes. it's very yeah. punitive. Right. It's like, well, you have crossed us and now you like we're going to make your life hell. I almost feel like, I mean, I, <laughs> this is probably not how The Bachelor functions, but at this point, I'm like, a producer is going to step in and be like, yo, you can't threaten another contestant, right? Because she, she does say a little bit later than she does say, like, if she she better not even walk past me because she's going to get it. And like, that's that's like a that's like a physical threat. Like, what are you doing? We're talking about a show where like a contestant said that he was going to rip off everyone's arms and put throw their torsos <laughs> in the pool. And he was a lot more physically capable of causing serious harm than Kit physically. So I'm going to say the show doesn't take that sort of thing seriously and they don't care. It's it's wild. And like, I think this is probably like the only thing that we hear from Kit in this moment, too, which I, you know, I've already like I have feelings about Kit. Like, I, I, I think she's very young. I don't think that she is like she, I'm sure she's a great Instagram influencer. Don't come for me, Kit fans. <laughs> um, but in this moment, it is really not flattering for her to just like out of the blue that that be her only soundbite in this moment. And like, you, where have you been? Like, I, you said have said nothing this entire episode, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think that that Kit does come off as very young in these interactions. I, I, I almost feel like there's a a weird element where she's the child of a celebrity to some extent and she's grown up in this milieu where she's probably always felt pretty comfortable and confident and like um in a power position and Mm. and now she's sort of around these women who are a little older than her who are also super hot and like matt really likes them and she you can almost like see her finding her place in the pecking order and like trying to like fit in and I, maybe it's just because she is a little like she's like 21 right like yeah, she's, right. she's very young she doesn't have that sense of like being fully um and uh, you know when I was 21 I I'm sure I would have seemed much more that way even than Kit is is she but, the yeah, child of a celebrity I, I didn't I haven't looked into she's her si- that much she's Cynthia Rowley's daughter really yeah, yeah. oh interesting okay great that uh, extra context <laughs> I love it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think we see her her age a little bit here. That she's like, oh, 
she wasn't even there. You know, like most of the women who are really upset were women who were on the date who mm-hmm. had their date affected and she like wasn't there. And she's like, oh, we're all doing this. Like, great. Like, fuck you. <laughs> um, so the next day, um, Sarah is sitting alone weeping. You know, she we see her sort of try to connect with some of the women individually, maybe where the the mob atmosphere might be a little less intense after they disperse the night before she tries to talk to MJ who just blows her off and is like, I need time to cool down. This is when kid is like, I never want to even see her face. Um, And so the next day, the next morning, she's got to be feeling like there's just nothing left for her here, but like rubble and also the chance to have like a 10 minute conversation with Matt once a week in between social torture. Yeah. Surrounded by like 15 women who hate her so much. They like, can't even refrain from physically threatening her. Um, so MJ is like talking to Piper and she's like, listen, I can't believe that Sarah hasn't even tried to communicate with anybody. Like she's just ostracized herself. That's not okay. And I was like, MJ, we literally just saw Sarah try to talk to you and you refused, but that's fine. You don't want to talk to her. Just admit it. Um, but someone does want to talk to Sarah and that person is Katie. I just I love Katie's Katie my role model. so much. Katie is my role model. Katie is like out here doing the work of like modeling good communication for us all. And she's like a, you know, advocate for women expressing their pleasures and desires. Like I'm just, man, I love Katie. I want to be friends with her. I loved this interaction so much. I love that. So Katie goes to find Sarah and she's like, Look, I want to know how you're doing. That was really hard to watch yesterday. And I didn't like what happened. I didn't like it at all. And Sarah says, I've made up my mind. I'm going to leave. And this is when Katie basically says, look, it's painful for me to watch, you know, you and Matt have a connection, but you do. So you should explore that. If it's real, Um, I don't want to be his backup plan and I don't want you to feel like you were bullied out of here. Um, She doesn't actually say that to Katie, the latter thing. She says that to the other women, which I found sort of interesting. But Katie says to Sarah, is it because of the other girls? And and she says it's a combination of things, um, not just last night. Um, And Katie says, yeah, I want you to explore your connection completely. Um. I don't want to be a backup plan. Yeah, which is a really good point. And I think I would feel similarly. Like, I don't want him to be thinking about you because you left. You know, she's got to do what she's got to do. But I I really appreciated this particular sentiment from Katie. Me too. Yeah. And it is a little, I mean, we haven't really seen her have a connection with Matt. So whenever she's like, I don't want to be his backup plan. There's a part of me that's like, well. You won't be. (laughs) You won't be probably. But like. That's good. It's early. She's got to have that confidence. And I support that. Um, And Sarah tells her, you know, I'm just not cut out for this. It's bringing out my insecurities. And also my dad has a terminal illness. And honestly, it's it's a matter of weeks, really. And given everything, like, I don't really want to spend any of that time here. Yeah. (laughs) And we see Sarah start to cry. And she tells we see Katie start to cry. And she tells Sarah that her dad actually passed away almost a decade ago and she missed out on her goodbye with her dad. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so she's like, you know, I totally encourage you to be with him. Like, I don't want you to have to miss that moment like I did. And, oh, my gosh. Um, this just they like say goodbye on pretty good terms. It was yeah. a really beautiful moment. I fully started crying because just <laughs> yeah, there was a re- it was a real just emotional left turn from like feelings of disgust and rage and annoyance at the women to this like really beautiful moment and yeah god like what it's just like it was such a good lesson in like what showing a little bit of grace and just like reaching out to a person can asking them questions trying to get at, at what is really going on and it was really touching it was such a nice moment um and it really, for anybody who was having trouble, like, relating to Sarah, it also finally enabled that, right? Like, you could be like, oh, right, you have a lot of shit going on, and being ostracized from the group right now just might not be worth it, and you might feel kind of dumb for having come on the show in the first place, because, like, why are you here dealing with this yeah. crap when you could be with your father? Yeah, absolutely. I... I the the situation with with her dad must be you know you're thinking like oh i'm gonna be i'm gonna be strong he wants me to find love and like i'm gonna i i'm gonna have a little life that i'm gonna live you know with that in mind and not focused on caretaking and then you get there and it's just like misery and you're like oh is this what the trade-off is um and you got to think at that point, like, you're not going to have a good relationship with Matt, even if you have a connection, if you spend the whole courtship with him in this kind of setting. Um, so she packs up um, and she knocks on Matt's door. She tells him she she's sorry, but she's not ready for this. She's been attacked by many of the women in the house. She feels like she's not welcome. I think Katie was maybe hoping that Sarah wouldn't say that to him. Um, but that's what she says. Um, he's very troubled by this. What women in the house? What do you mean? Um, and she gives him a very abbreviated version in which she apologized to them for being in her room and she was cruelly and maliciously attacked and it's really hard for her. Um, and Matt's like, okay, well, what I feel for you is real and I don't want to lose you. Um, and he, she says, well, I've, I feel really called to go home and be with my family. I've prayed about it. And I'm sorry, but I have to go home. And he's like, well, okay. I'm, I, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop thinking about you, praying for your family when you're ready. Some guy's going to be extremely lucky and I'm bummed it's not going to be me. Um, and so they say a very tearful goodbye. And I was almost surprised that he didn't, that we saw press her more on who cruelly and maliciously attacked her. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like she was like, I was bothered a little bit by her goodbye, too, because the women were very cruel and malicious to her. But she sort of left Matt with the vague sense that some of the women he might marry are, like, really cruel, bad people. And and also that she's just, like, an eternal victim. And I I just it's it's hard for me to see how this show does kind of handle female emotions and vulnerability and conflict in this way that we discussed earlier and i feel like this sort of carries through fully through her exit i mean this is classic Um, bachelor right that that a woman exits and says by the way they're really mean girls on this show (laughs) 
and like watch out right like didn't that happen to yeah. peter like 50 yes. times yes it's it's definitely a theme i mean this one it's a little bit different but yeah that's sort of like the sentiment that he's left with and then it's like okay bachelor it's your job to excavate you know the the pure good women from the cruel malicious ones and uh, with with no guidance or information um right and yeah, the and whole you're thing. right that this situation is slightly different because in this yeah. case, like she really was bullied. I mean, I think she played a role in all of this, but but she really was treated horribly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but not by all of the women, by like a handful. Right. And right. I think that this is going to leave Matt with like perhaps some really like overall and frustrated and negative feelings towards the women, and that mm-hmm. sucks for him. I mean just th- this whole situation was like shitty and it was shitty yeah. ultimately for everyone involved in it um and i just hope i really want to see some nice friendships i need a salve after all of this like <laughs> you know women being really cruel and shitty to each other which i always hate mm-hmm. yeah it this this season feels like especially after last season, a bit of a throwback, a lot of immaturity so far, a lot of like really cliquish behavior, unnecessary conflict. I know. I I texted um, Claire and I was like, I just saw that Zach Clark was involved in a mental health panel for the Joe Biden inaugural day of service. And I was like, I miss oh my Tasha's, God. I miss Tasha and Claire's season. <laughs> Take us back. Yeah. But Let's go luck. back to 2020 guys. <laughs> yeah. What I'm <laughs> saying is I'd like to relive 2020. <laughs> well, you know what? This is probably an overcorrection on the part of production, right? Yeah. Like this is probably production going. Those guys were too nice to each other. They were too friendly. We need to create more conflict. Let's send Sarah into that date. Like it's probably an overcorrection. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It's but an it's overcorrection, such a and we hate to see it. And you <laughs> yeah. know, on that note. Um, so wait, we're not going to talk about Matt's hiccup problem? Oh, we can. Yeah, because that was any final that was delightful. On Matt's. Uh, incessant hiccuping during the credits yeah i mean i just related to it i um i have this this very (laughs) i have this very specific problem that is uh unfortunately hilarious where if i have like half a glass of wine i will hiccup uh almost certainly and we'll have a lot of issues getting like out of that I can't I can't make it stop and so i thought i thought that was really delightful i i have appreciated matt in these moments I'm sorry that we that we almost skipped that because <laughs> Matt really gave us the perfect platform, perfect opportunity to talk about the problem of of hiccuping. And you're right, you're right. I'm so that, glad that that I'm able to to talk to the problematic hiccuppers in in this world and to say, you know what, you're not alone. That's right, guys. I hope you all feel seen by this. I I as someone who occasionally faces this problem, even I feel seen by this. <laughs> Um, so thank you, Ariel, and thank you again for joining us today. This was so much fun. This is great. Thank you. Now it's time for Feminism Fails. So this episode was just a, a clusterfuck of uh, toxic behavior. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to start by revisiting again Sarah's sort of what felt like 
white lady fragility to me. And this is not to say that I uh, do not find this relatable um, myself, um, but I was a little bit troubled by the way that she really resorted to like tears and expressions of her emotional pain to kind of skirt um, accountability for what she had done for the other women. Um, And no matter how many times she was uh, had critiques and explanations for the harm she caused delivered to her, she kind of keeps retreating into that um, sort of expression of her, her own suffering and victimhood And I get it. I do. And I think she's in a tough situation emotionally. Um, But I still don't think that it's healthy that the show is is reinforcing this as a way to handle this kind of conflict. Um, And uh, so I'm going to give that like a a three. And then... We have Victoria calling Sarah a, quote, calculating little bitch. Um, And this is not the only time that Victoria deploys really kind of gross gendered insults to kind of cruelly demean another woman. Um, This just felt really harsh and gross. And I'm going to give that a 3.5. And of course, uh, we need to discuss that overall bullying of Sarah in response to the admittedly pretty bad thing that she did in the context of the show. Um, In the context of the show, it was a real crime uh, to take that time during someone else's group date. Um, But the really punitive and nasty reaction to her by some of the women um, was really difficult to watch and and played into a lot of uh, really awful... Uh, tropes about how women handle conflict and uh, was just generally really toxic and unpleasant. So I'm going to give that a four. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guest, Arielle Duhame-Ross, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod, and you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap episode four of Matt James' season of The Bachelor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. 
Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.